Today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, let's bring on the flood. We learn so much about the future from studying the past, from studying the days of Noah, because those days, if they're not already here, they're fast approaching. And just as judgment came to that world, judgment is coming to this world. And here's my question for today, why? Why does judgment come? God is very clear in his word as to why judgment comes. Living life the way you want, according to your own rules, with nobody telling you what to do, kind of sounds like the best possible scenario for a great life, right? Or does it? God tells us in His Word that we are to fear Him. But when we live according to our own rules, we are being disobedient. This is From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. Thank you for joining us today as he continues in his enlightening and timely series, The Days of Noah, with a message that will offer real insight into why God sent a flood to begin with and what that means for you and me today. As the Bible says so clearly, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. How close are we? Let's discover the answer to that question in today's lesson entitled, Bring on the Flood open your Bible to the first chapter of the book of Romans as we better understand why the flood was necessary to all of us. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we read about creation and at the end of Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything and he rests on the seventh day. And as God looks at all that he's created, he says it is very Good. And then in Genesis chapter 3, man rejected God, chose the lies of the devil, ate of the fruit so that they could be like God and wouldn't need to depend upon God. And what was very good now became bad, very bad, and it got progressively worse. And you fast forward 1536 years later. And the Lord speaks these words in Genesis chapter 6. And God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. And God destroyed the world that Noah lived in with the judgment of a flood. God rightly destroyed that world. And God has said in his word that he's never going to destroy the world again with a flood. But he is going to destroy it. He's going to destroy it with fire. Water the first time, fire the next time. And Paul, when he preached in Greece, in Athens, he said in Acts chapter 17 and verse 31, for God has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men in that he has raised him from the dead. There's a a day that God is going to judge and he is going to judge in righteousness because he is a righteous God. 
So here's our question as we've been studying the days of Noah, because as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We learn so much about the future from studying the past, from studying the days of Noah, because those days, if they're not already here, they're fast approaching. And just as judgment came to that world, judgment is coming to this world. And here's my question for today, why? Why does judgment come? God is very clear in his word as to why judgment comes. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 18 through 32. We're going to be looking at these verses. And I just want you to know up front, these verses to some people constitute hate speech. They don't like Romans chapter 1. And as we look at this, I want you to have your heart open to God to say, Lord, this is coming out of your book. And God, I need to receive from you. So take down all the defenses and know that Jeff is not preaching at anyone. He's preaching to everyone. This applies to Jeff. This applies to you. This applies to me. This applies to all the people watching on television, watching live streaming, listening on radio. This applies to us all. This is God's word as to why judgment comes. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God, the passionate anger of God, the vengeance of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Why does judgment come? Three reasons. Reason number one, judgment comes because people willfully reject God. They willfully reject God for the wrath of God, it says. We don't like to think of God as a God of wrath, but God is a God of wrath, righteous indignation. God is not a God who just all of a sudden fills up with anger because you, you stepped on his toe somewhere or you did something that, that just really ticked him off and all of a sudden he just gets all hot under the collar. God's not like that. God has a controlled wrath, but God hates sin. He loves sinners, but he hates sin and wickedness and unrighteousness. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. That word ungodliness literally means irreverence. It's revealed when people fail to give God his just due as God and unrighteousness of men. That covers all kinds of sin and moral depravity and decay who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, who hold back the truth in unrighteousness. They don't like the truth of God. They don't like the standards of God. They don't even like the concept of God. They want to do what they want to do, and the concept of God messes up their ability to do what they want to do uh, because it brings a lot of guilt into their lives, so they want to get that out of the way. They say no to God's will, God's word, and God's ways. 
The wrath of God comes when you suppress the truth and hold back the truth. Now, how, how does this come about? I mean, what ways do they willfully reject God? Well, first of all, they refuse to listen to God. They refuse to listen to God. Now, God speaks to men, all men. He speaks. You don't have to have a Bible, and you don't have to live in America for God to speak, because God speaks in two ways that the Scripture makes clear through the Apostle Paul. Verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Evident within them, evident to them. Two voices that speak to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl on whatever part of the earth they live. Two voices. First is the inner voice, which is the voice of conscience. That is the inner voice that comes to them. That is the voice where he says that is evident within them. Everybody that's born has a conscience, which is kind of a rough moral compass. Not a refined moral compass, but a rough moral compass. And in that conscience, there is the knowledge of God. Doesn't mean you know God in a personal way. It just means you have knowledge of God. Hey, there's just something within us, the way God makes us. Within, you know that there is a God. And you have to beat your conscience to death to say God does not exist. And that's what people do. They refuse to listen to him, so they silence the voice of conscience, but then God has another voice. It's the voice of creation. He says it's in them, and then he says evident to them. For since, verse 20, the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. Just look around outside and you see creation. Now, you don't have to be very smart to know that if there is a creation, there has got to be a creator because creations don't come about without a creator. Go look outside. The heavens, Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse shows forth his handiwork. Day to day ports forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. You go out in the morning and it shows that there is a God. You look at the blazing sun and it shows there is a God. You go out at night and see all the stars. It shows you that God did that. That's the handiwork of God. He has made it evident with the voice of conscience, with the voice of creation, but Men refuse to listen to that. They refuse to listen to him. And then they refuse to glorify him. Verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Now, New American Standard says honor. They did not honor him as God. That word honor literally means to glorify God. They didn't glorify God. Why did God make us? Psalm 40 or Isaiah 43, verse 7, the scripture says we were created for his glory, to glorify God, to make God look good, to magnify God, to, to honor him in our lives and to let him shine through us. That's why we were made. And as it says in Romans 1, the people, although they knew God, now they didn't know him in terms of a personal relationship, a saving knowledge of God, they knew about him. They knew about him from conscience. They knew about him from creation, but they did not honor him as God. Now, you remember I told you in Noah's time, 
You have two people that span the whole distance between the beginning of creation until the flood. Two people, Adam, who lived to be 930 years old, and Methuselah, who lived to be 969 years old. Those guys overlap. They overlap. So Methuselah and Methuselah's dad, Enoch, he knew Adam, most likely. Adam knew God. Adam was telling everybody, hey, God is real. And so the, there was no reason for them to say, well, there's no, there's no way that God is real. Yeah, God's real. God revealed himself to Noah. Noah could tell the people as he did building that ship for 120 years, God is real. But they didn't want to honor God. They didn't want to glorify God. They didn't want to give God thanks. They refused God. They said, no, thank you. We don't want God around. Listen, when you spend time with the Lord, two things that you need to do every time when you have a quiet time with God, honor him as God and give him thanks. That is what will keep your heart excited and thriving for the Lord. These people didn't do that. They said no to God. They willfully rejected God. And the scripture says that they are without excuse. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, from whatever corner of the earth who rejects God, they do it willfully. They may not have all the knowledge that you and I have living here in America, living here in the buckle of the Bible belt, but God says they're without excuse. God says they have general revelation. And see, here's how the Lord works. If you respond to the light he gives you, he'll give you more light. And you respond to more light, he gives you more light. And you respond to more light, he gives you more light until that more light leaves you into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Don't ever think that somebody's gonna stand before God at the judgment and say, God, I'm innocent because of ignorance. No, no, they are without excuse. God will judge based on the light that they had. So judgment comes because people willfully reject God. It's not that they can't believe, it's that they won't believe. Second reason, why does judgment come? Judgment comes because people readily embrace a lie. Look at verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Verse 25, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, once you willfully reject God, you are rejecting the one, as the scripture says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So you're stepping away from the one who created it all, from the one who knows it all, from the one who is the source of it all. You step away from him, the source of truth, and what do you step to? You step to lies. You step to falsehood. That's all that's left because you've stepped away from the one true God. And verse 22 makes it very plain. You profess to be wise, but you are in actuality a fool. And the people who reject God, they become fools. Fools. Now, in your Bible, you might want to circle where it says fools. Professing to be wise, they became fools. That word in Greek for fools is where we get our English word moron. Moron. You become a moron when you reject God. But that's what happens. You think you're so wise 
And people in our world today, they think they're so wise. The atheists that rule in scientific communities, all of the Richard Dawkins of this world, he's a, he's a very proud atheist, wrote the book, The God Delusion, thinks God is, is the worst character in, in all of fiction, the God of the Old Testament. Well, he thinks he's so wise. He's a fool in God's estimation. Why? Anybody who says there is no God, what does God say about him? Psalm 14.1 Psalm 53, 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's all God says about the atheist. You're a fool. You're a fool. Why? Because you don't understand the basic things of life. You have gouged out your own eyes. You can't find God for the same reason a thief can't find a policeman. You don't want to find God. You don't want him to be real. See, because if God is real, then all of a sudden you become accountable to this God who created everything. They don't want that. They're fools, fools. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now I was thinking about this, uh, professing to be wise, they became fools. You think about in our own country, how we do so many foolish things that make absolutely no sense at all. I heard Joe Biden say uh, in the throes of of everything being uh, economically uh, terrible, he said, we're going to spend our way out of this recession. (laughs) You know, that's like you guys are in the red in your family finances and you say, honey, what are we going to do? Let's go to the mall and spend money. That's dumb, right? You don't have to be smart to know if you don't have any money, quit spending it. But you have a credit card. And so that's a good thing. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Now, we uh, have probably heard about the, the shootings at Fort Hood in Colleen, Texas, November 5th, 2009, Nidel Hassan, as he killed 13 people, gunned them down, and injured 32 others, crying out, Allah Akbar, as he did the shooting. Obviously, a terrorist attack, but our Higher-ups won't say it's a terrorist attack. They call it a workplace, a workforce violence. Well, that's not what it was. Well, here's the thing about professing to be wise, you became fools. We've been paying this terrorist as he's been sitting in jail to the tune of almost $300,000 and paying for all his medical. And when he went to court, they helicoptered him to court to get him there, and the victims who weren't killed but were injured. As one man said, my income has been cut so much because I can't work anymore. He said, we can barely put gas in the car. We can barely buy groceries. He was a victim in the shooting, and our government helps the killer, and our government penalizes those who were shot. Doesn't make any sense at all. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And not only did they they become fools, they become idolaters. Verse 25, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Now, get this. When God made you, he made you with a desire to worship. You can't get around that. Man has a desire to worship. And if you will not worship the true God, 
you will worship that which is false. If you don't worship the creator, then you will end up worshiping the creature and you will readily embrace the worship of the creature and whatever that creature might be. See, some people worship money. Some people worship family. Some people worship their job. Some people worship golf or whatever sport they play. Some people worship another person, their wife, some celebrity. They worship them. Some people worship themselves. Some people worship Satan. You're going to worship something because God made you with this desire to worship. And so it says they become idolaters. And idolatry is a terrible, horrible sin. You shall have no other gods, God says, commandment number one, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And there's no idol worship, command number two. But these people become idolaters. And they would rather worship the creature more than the creator. And it says in verse 23, to exchange the glory of the incorruptible God. Now watch, watch what they're trading for. For an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. How horrible is that? You could worship God, but now you're gonna worship a, an ant, a crawling creature. You just go down, 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 down. Now let me give you a little lesson, Theology 101. Very important lesson. Everyone needs to learn this lesson. First lesson, there is one God. Second lesson, you ate him. <laughs> Everybody needs to know that there's one God and that one God's not you, he's God. We're here to worship him. So judgment comes because people say no to God, they reject God and they readily embrace a lie, literally the lie it says. They worship the lie. Verse 25, exchange the truth of God for a lie, for the lie. What is the lie? The lie is you shall be like God. You can be your own God. The lie is rooted into Mormonism when Mormonism says, you know, you can be God one day and you can be ruler over a planet and you can populate your own planet. And people flock to that kind of stuff. They like that. That's the lie. That's the lie that Adam and Eve fell into. That's the lie that everybody else has fallen into that goes the way of sin. Today's message was entitled, Bring on the Flood. We heard part one of this lesson today, and it's from Pastor Jeff's timely seven-lesson series, The Days of Noah. Now, in those days, Noah's Ark was mankind's only hope. There wasn't another place of safety. Although there was room for many people in the ark, the ark was a massive vessel. Only eight people got aboard and were saved. We face a similar situation today. The world is going the same way it was in Noah's day. But in Jesus, God's ark of safety, we find the only hope from the coming judgment. And that's why we're offering this powerful and timely series from Pastor Jeff as our thank you gift for your support this month. Along with the series on DVDs, CDs, USB flash drive, or MP3 download, we'll also send you the encouraging booklet that he wrote entitled Strong Faith for Tough Times, When the Impossible Meets God. Your support allows us to produce and broadcast these messages around the world to explain to millions how we can be ready for the judgment of God to come. To get your copies of the series and the booklet, 
Call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, or simply go online to fromhisheart.org. Thank you for being with us today here on From His Heart. I'm Larry Nobles, trusting that you'll be here again tomorrow for part two of Bring on the Flood. Join us on Tuesday when again, Pastor Jeff Shreve will open up God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from God's heart. Here on From His Heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember that no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.